Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Hummus Tailgate Party. I am your host, Thomas Jackson. On today's episode, we have part two of the National Championship Preview. Uh, I was able to squeeze in an interview with Garrett Bulldog. After all, our uh, Georgia Bulldogs correspondent here this season on the podcast, of course. Um, it's the third time that Garrett has been on, and I genuinely appreciate him giving all of his time uh, throughout this season so we could kind of take a look inside of the Georgia perspective and especially now more than ever with the biggest game of the season coming up for the Bulldogs and the Crimson Tide. Uh, we just talked a little bit about the game and how Garrett and uh, the fellow dogs are feeling and what they're expecting. So one last time, thank you to Garrett and I will say I made a stupid mistake and something with my microphone was not working during the interview. Um, I fixed it as soon as Garrett got off. It was just a stupid little switch I forgot to click. Um, so it sounds like I was recording the podcast underwater, but Garrett sounds great and he's talking most of the time anyway. So bear with me on that. I apologize. Hope everybody enjoys the game. Uh, going forward, like I said in the last episode, I believe I'm going to have one episode um, after the national championship game, either record that late Monday night or probably more likely on Tuesday, uh, just depending on how I'm feeling after the game. Uh, to recap the matchup in Indianapolis and talk about whatever happens on Monday night, and then probably a week or two after, uh, once I can kind of decompress from the national championship game and take a little time to plan out a little bit longer, more thought out episode. Um, I'm probably going to do one last episode to cap off the 2021 college football season. Just talk about anything and everything, uh, looking back kind of big picture on the year and then maybe whatever, uh, is to come in the college football universe. So thanks everybody for listening. Hope you all enjoy the game on Monday and here is Garrett Bulldog. Thomas Jackson, beautiful podcast from Denver. How are you feeling about the game? And just kind of want to get the the Georgia perspective here. And it's fitting that you come back on the podcast one more time since we've been doing this a couple of times already and kind of flirted with the possibility of a Alabama-Georgia postseason meeting. Uh, now we're on our second one, but how are the how are the dogs feeling going into Monday night? Um, I think I think pretty pretty confident considering the way the first game went. Like I feel like it, it it's interesting because there was so much confidence on the Georgia side before the first meeting. I feel like even nationally. Um, and you can see that in the fact that Vegas still has the Bulldogs considered as a favorite, which mm-hmm. to me is surprising. And I, I don't feel like it should be that way. I don't want to give Nick Saban any sort of <laughs> <laughs> anything, any source of motivation for the team. So I, I think that's, um, that's something that I, um, uh, yeah, I guess a little nervous about, but I do feel confident that we're going to do things differently than we did the first time and just fortunate to have a rematch. And I think I thought about what if, what if it was almost the exact opposite, opposite scenario where you have Georgia typically lose a game early on in the season 
and they like won the SEC championship. Alabama had the season undefeated and then had lost the SEC championship. I think I'd actually be more scared of that if Nick Saban was coming off of a loss than kind of like uh, the scenario where they have such good film possibly to look at or such good things to like reflect on. And Mm -hmm. so I feel like maybe that's the only, I wouldn't even call it an edge because I I don't feel like there will be any lack of motivation from either team, but I feel like at least Georgia can go back and be like, okay, these are areas where we got beat badly. We have to do something differently. Cause you, you mentioning that, like role reversal, if you will, um, made me think about 2017. I assume Georgia lost one game. Oh, wait. Oh, they lost to Auburn. That was it. Yep. We bo- oh, we, okay. We both lost to Auburn. And th- those were both late losses. And that must have been y'all's only loss. Yep. As it was ours going into the postseason. Um because no two two loss team had ever made the playoff. Okay, so we were pretty similar in that regard, except it was Alabama snuck in the playoff um, without going to the SEC championship, because I think courtesy of Ohio State losing to Purdue by like 60 or something like that happened that year. Um, <laughs> but okay, yeah. So so we were pretty similar, because that, that game is only like two weeks apart, or it was – uh, before I think Auburn petitioned to get the game moved, the Georgia game moved earlier in the season. Exactly. But um, and then they just replaced y'all with LSU on their schedule, so I don't really know if that helps them out at all. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it, it is interesting because there's kind of a different dynamic when you have a team that loses, like Alabama did, like week six or whatever that was in College Station versus week. Uh, you know, 14, whatever you want to call it, like Georgia did, because everyone's been saying like, and like Alabama, like most Saban teams that win a national championship lose early, like they did um, this year. But also everyone's been saying Georgia, everybody, you know, especially after Alabama lost that game to Texas A&M pretty early on, like after that, like Georgia was the, clear-cut number one there was no debating like who's the best because Ohio State had already lost Clemson obviously lost week one and then a few other times um Oklahoma was trying to lose for like three months there but um yeah Georgia was just getting gassed up all season and then it seems like a lot of people I've heard are saying like maybe in hindsight the SEC title game you know kind of helped Georgia like hit the reset button kind of give you a little you know bring you back down to earth a little bit and then give you you know obviously all the motivation in the world you need um, going into the playoff I don't really have a question I'm just rambling but if you have any thoughts on that just kind of the the reset aspect of it after being gassed up like number one team all season and now it feels like the teams have kind of leveled off a little bit, especially compared to where we were the last time we met. Yeah, I think that narrative definitely helped. Um, Of course, when we talked last, even about the SEC championship, like 
I didn't want to see Alabama again. <laughs> you know, I was, yeah. like, <laughs> I was like, no, I think we, we need to make it happen this time. But I do think, yeah, there's, there was a lot of things in that game that to me, Georgia, Georgia played a lot more zone on defense. And to me, there were just a lot more busted coverages and things that were atypical um, that even, even for, against uh, a team that we hadn't really seen before in Alabama, I just feel like we played pretty poorly and we got exposed against Jameson Williams and Mechie. And of course he's, he's not here again. So we're, we're pretty lucky in that. Uh, mm-hmm. sense, but I know Jacoby Brooks has had a pretty good kind of end of his season. So it, it's going to be interesting, but I do think the narrative changed a little bit and, and I, I think that helped because I feel like even going into the Michigan game, there was, there was thoughts that that could be a really close game. Like that could be a pretty competitive matchup. And I feel like we definitely kind of showed like, no, we, we are still a really, really good team and Alabama and Georgia seem kind of above the rest of the field. Um, definitely. So I do feel like that was, that was a big confidence boost. Like, if the offense came out and struggled against Michigan, I would have been, I would have been a little concerned, but I do feel like Stetson Bennett had his best game. I mean, that's the only time he's had a 300 yard passing game. So I feel like um, he's kind of looked much, looked much, much improved, but I, I also listened to um, it was you and what's his name again, talk about the Alabama perspective and talk Matt. a little bit about, yeah, you and Matt talked a little bit about kind of, the JT Daniels situation and I feel like that's something that um, I'll just continue to be curious about because the Michigan Georgia Michigan script looked like the most typical Georgia game and so here we have 13 games where Georgia's jumped out to a lead and never looked back and I feel like Alabama is the one team that could really did and still could flip that narrative where Georgia could be losing by 10 or 14 and that's when that's when I feel like our offense has sputtered and did sputter for really the whole third quarter and really even the second quarter um in the SEC championship so um just to get into yeah a little bit of what I'd what I'd want to see or what I've kind of heard I feel like um Number one, Georgia didn't rush very well in the in the SEC championship. Stetson Bennett threw it over 40 times, and I don't think that's just – I just don't think that's a recipe for success against Alabama. Um, some of the things that I thought they did well in the Michigan game was they had um, almost 100 yards of passing, but plays that started behind the line of scrimmage. So I feel like they were doing more to get their running backs the ball – through swing passes um, and almost extensions of the running game. So um, I just think we need to continue to prioritize our running game, even if we were to be down by 10 or 14 and trust that our defense could stop you guys. Even if I think, even though that, that wasn't um, the case in the, in the SEC championship game, I feel like we did do pretty good in the third quarter, but we couldn't convert offensively. So I just feel like, kind of sticking to our game game plan offensively will be important yeah and I mean you know that's going to be one of the biggest storylines going into the game just with the quarterback thing because of the 
last time we met on this stage with Alabama's quarterback switch. And like, I mean, I, I'm sure they'll mention it pregame, but like, I just like, you you already know, like the first incomplete pass that sets in Bennett throws are going to pan over to JT Daniels. And yep. I would love to see an over under on the amount of times JT gets shown on the sidelines. But yeah, I mean, I, I remember seeing some stat and I don't remember if it was before or after the SEC championship game, but it was kind of talking about what you were saying with just like passing the ball 40 times isn't the recipe for success for Georgia. And I think it, it was saying that Bennett had only thrown the ball over 30 times in a game, like maybe twice before that SEC championship game. And like one, one of them was against Alabama in 2020, which didn't go too well for him once Alabama started to, you know, turn the pressure up and everything. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think everyone can, can kind of agree that Bennett being forced to, you know, not that he can't make some good passes because I know he played well in the Michigan game and everything, but that game went just like every other game outside of the SEC championship did this season. So it seems like, yeah, if Georgia can just establish, not even like run all over Alabama, but just enough to where you have to respect it. Um, and then, you know, just work it to Bowers, work it to the, you know, the check downs and dump offs in the backfield and, Speaking of the passing game, like I said it in the last podcast, I watched like the first quarter of Georgia, Michigan. And then after that, I just kind of tuned down and didn't watch it too closely. But what are we thinking for Pickens? Yeah, I I because th- I, I mean, because just as big as Mechie being out on our side, you know, Pickens being available, like truly healthy versus like what we saw last game could make a huge difference for Bennett and Georgia's passing game as well. I feel like. Yeah. And I feel like, I feel like Georgia still used Pickens very um, like lightly in the Michigan game. I feel like there was still hesitance to use him, but I also don't, I don't like the idea that um there's necessarily a okay we're up by 20 so we're we're just not gonna put him in that much like I honestly wish we played him more but I I do feel like okay maybe maybe after the first half you know it's like okay we don't need to play him like keep him healthy because of um the lead we have and the confidence we have but I do feel like he needs to be used more um because he's just a player where I feel like when we need a third and five or something, having him be on the field will be important. So I expect to see him the most he's played this season. It's like, there's, there's nothing left. So you better play your best players. So yeah, I expect to see him at his best. Yeah. Maybe there's still some concerns about his health, but like, I think he needs, there's least, not a next game. Yeah, yeah, no, no. He needs to be getting the most targets um, for all the receivers of anybody. So yeah. that, that's something I'll be, I'll be curious to see how it plays out, but he still did catch a few. I want to say, I know he caught at least one or two passes in the Michigan game. So he was on the field, he was playing, but he did not have the production or he wasn't the number one, um, I guess, Z receiver. Um, so I'll be curious about that. 
But yeah, I think to what you said too, there was a stat where when, (laughs) and I felt again, same with kind of the Michigan game where you looked at Stetson Bennett's passing and particular, I think they looked at how many times he had passed it, like in the fourth quarter. Oh, maybe that was, yeah, I saw that one too, whichever it it was. was. Yeah. Yeah. It was like less than 20 passes all season in the fourth quarter, which like, it just kind of showed how Georgia hadn't really had a game go down to the wire and how Stetson mm-hmm. Bennett hadn't been called to pass all game. But one thing I think we did in the Michigan game that we have to do in the Alabama game um, was just have a lot of first down success. I feel like we, we ended up in a lot of like third and shorts and second and shorts. And so just getting more than five yards on first down, having a successful first down play really helps Stetson Bennett. Cause I think, the the most struggles he's had is essentially third and long and if will anderson can kind of just rush the passer and get after him on third and long i feel like he that's when he's kind of looking to make the big play and if he's in a third and short he can kind of whether it be play action and run for it or kind of have a shorter easier throw i feel like he just has more confidence when he has um less to go and yeah more open yeah, for sure. And I mean, you know, that way, especially third and short, then you can't just sell out on the pass. You, you know, running is a completely fine option there too. And then if you do want to pass, maybe you catch them off guard or something on the third and short instead of like third and nine, the whole world, you know, knows what's coming. <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. Um, I mean, as far on a defensive standpoint, like I said, it's, you know, Mechie being gone is probably the most worrisome thing for me this game, just because he's been such a safety blanket. And while Jameson has kind of taken over, you know, all of the highlights and been, been our, you know, deep target, deep target and the most flashy uh, receiver this year. Mechie's just always that guy, Mr. Reliable on, you know, third and seven, third and nine. I mean, he just, he always, Bryce is so good at buying time in the backfield with his legs. And then, you know, it seems like Mechie was always the dude that he would find after he's been running around for six or seven seconds. He didn't, you know, Mechie just mm-hmm. breaks off of the route and, and finds a little bit of open space. Um, so yeah, that's, that's definitely concerning. Uh, and you know, I mean, he's the most, well, I guess Williams is technically older than him. Mechie's the most, you know, veteran, uh, guy with the most playing time that's been in our system for the longest. So that's worrisome, but more so on the, um, defensive front for Georgia, you know, I mean, it was one of the most surprising things of the whole season after Alabama's offensive line just got it, got its tail whipped the week before in the Iron Bowl. And, you know, like we've, it's been beaten like a drum, but every time Alabama's had close games with Auburn or A&M or LSU or whatever, it's, you know, the sack count has been very, very high on Bryce Young and Georgia wasn't able to bag him down you know a single time which is just I mean it's it's just it was shocking after after the week before but you know I I don't expect you know a seven sack game I don't expect a zero sack game the it'll probably level out and be somewhere in the middle but 
you know, from the from the Georgia front, what would you like to see differently than than last time where it seems like maybe they kind of underestimated, you know, I guess the ceiling that Alabama's line could could play to? Yeah, I think um, early on and throughout, I think there was a bit of a change in the second half of the SEC championship too, where I thought we started to bring more pressure. Um, and I think that helped. So I feel like we started off the game expecting maybe Alabama's passing attack. And I think Georgia had maybe a little too much confidence that they could get home with the, just their four man front. So sure that was enough. kind of, <laughs> I mean, who wouldn't, who wouldn't have at that point? Well, <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. But I, I do think that was maybe, that's actually a little bit more atypical to what we've done most of the season. I feel like we've tried to bring more pressure, but I do think um, as, yeah, as Matt mentioned, we lost Adam Anderson right before the Tennessee game. And I mean, he, he, clearly hasn't been with the team since and he was, he was the one who got arrested or whatever yeah he got yeah. arrested for some sexual misconduct nonsense and then um he was our sack leader at the time so he was kind of we had robert beal i think was one of our edge rushers um and he just to me didn't get any pressure neither did nolan smith so i feel like those guys on the edges and even on the inside like the the clips of like jordan davis struggling and stuff like that like it was pretty pretty pitiful to watch. So I feel like those guys are definitely going to hopefully do more, but I also expect they're going to bring um, more of the inside linebackers. Um, so there's the guy who I'm most confident in or ready for that they put on the edge against Michigan to try and uh, switch some guys out was um, Quay Walker, I think. Uh, yeah, I think Quay Walker. So he's, he's a big dude. And I think he'll, um, he'll be the one kind of trying to be more of the edge rusher that Adam Anderson was, but, um, yeah, I think we're just going to bring more guys and I, I feel like that'll happen early on. I think we, um, it was really interesting too. Cause the first quarter, I feel like defensively, we were playing pretty well against you guys. Like mm-hmm. we, we got a few three and outs or, or just um, we're able to get our defense off the field. But to me, it definitely started to go downhill when like Bryce did the little, um, the little toss to uh, Brian Robinson. And like, when that play happened, I knew we were winning. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) I I was just like, I was like, okay, it's going to be one of these. Yeah, (laughs) I was just like, no, it was just like, it was kind of written there. And so I think we just got to kind of somehow, and I don't know that we can, it's going to be easy. I feel like, I feel like it's going to be one of those games that probably both teams are, are trying to fight for fight to get around 30, 35 points. And whichever one kind of crosses that mark is probably going to, probably going to be the winner at the end but I do feel like both offenses will probably find their success and both defenses will will probably do that as well so I don't know I think it's hard to say we could actually um, stop you know the Alabama offense I just feel like they're gonna get (laughs) they're gonna get theirs but I do feel like we can do a better job just of stopping like like we can't give up necessarily 
two long explosive touchdown passes. Like we can't, the first one specifically, like where Jameson was wide open over the, over the middle, we can't do that again. Like we, yeah. we got to be able to, if, if, if um, you guys complete like a third and long here or there, great, but we got to be able to limit, you know, a 70 yard bomb or something like that. Well, and you mentioned that Georgia's defense played well in the first quarter and they did um, because it was that that first touchdown to Williams. He had two that were one was like 55 and one was like 65 yards at the very the other one at the very beginning of the um, third quarter. But until that first Williams touchdown, that was probably the longer of the two. I'm not entirely sure, but out, like Alabama had that. We were down 10-0. Georgia had just – did y'all score the touchdown or the field goal first? I was field trying to goals. remember this. Field, field goal, goal first, first and the then touchdown. the touchdown to go up 10-0. And so then, then that was like early in the second quarter, and I think the next drive that Alabama got it, it was like third and long when we hit the Jamison touchdown. And like had we not converted that third and long, Georgia had all the momentum and like – it was very quickly becoming like, oh shit, are we about to get steamrolled like everyone else has this year? And then, you know, that play kind of flipped the momentum. But um, yeah, I mean, limiting limiting him and that'll be, you know, more manageable now with no Mechie. Um, but Alabama, you know, with all the talent that both of these teams have, you know, it's just injuries happen. They're inevitable at this point in the season. It sucks when it's a a star guy like Mechie or, you know, Pickens will see, but yeah. you know, it, it, some of the, you know, some of the biggest players in the game, they, they step up for the first time when the lights are the brightest in games like this. So how do you see the game going? Um, talk to me about your feelings, both, you know, tangibly on the field and just with all the history that, our two teams have had over the past few years. Just give me the whole Georgia rundown and then um, give me a score prediction at the end. If, if you've got one, let it yeah, all out. Um, no, I, I, it's pretty crazy. Cause definitely I think the, um, what is it? Owen, Owen seven, we are now against you guys. So I feel Since like seven. Yeah. Yeah. I, and it was always crazy to me. So the 07 and the 2017 scores were the exact same and the exact same kind of finish. Like, Oh, really? Yeah. I didn't realize they were the same score. I was at the 07 game. And Uh, I was at the 2017 game. So like, dude, I, that it was ridiculous. Cause I remember I was at home for the 07 game and it was like, Oh, you know, the Matt Stafford walk off overtime, hail Mary. And then being there for the 2017 one, in the end zone when Devonta Smith catches it, it was like, yeah, it was very bittersweet. But um, so for this one, I think uh, it, what's really been kind of interesting about the past three or four is that Georgia has always kind of started the game strong. They've always been the ones I feel like in the fir- to win, say the first quarter or the first first half, um, and then kind of fall apart in the fourth quarter. So. Um, to me, I think the script hopefully will lend itself to a more, a more even game in terms of Georgia being able to try and maintain their momentum or just maintain control of the game. So I feel like 
if we can try and dominate the clock early on, I think some slow methodical drives would be best in the first quarter and really ending the second quarter too. I feel like um, kind of the, the very first drive for each team will be super important. Um, and the very probably last drive of the first half as well. So we'll see who kind of comes out starting first, but um, yeah, I like, I like Georgia to kind of lead at the half. Um but I think to win it, they're going to have to win the fourth quarter, like for the first time in a long time. So I'll be, it's really hard to see how it's going to play, play out. And it's hard to feel super confident against Nick Saban. But I think if we can keep Alabama to maybe a few field goals throughout the game, that would be the best chance of like limiting them to maybe like 24 or 27 um, but I, I feel like Alabama is still going to get over 20 points. I think we're going to have a hard time stopping that. And then if we can have, yeah, if we can, if we can come out of the first half with more than really 17 points, I think that gives us a good chance to um, kind of come into the second half and just, I'd like a touchdown in each of the, in the, in the third quarter and the fourth quarter, I feel like, getting to kind of like a 34 point uh, range would be good enough to maybe, maybe uh, keep you guys limited. But I think I mentioned this the first time too. I think just honestly keeping the ball out of Bryce Young's hands as much as possible and dominating, dominating the clock would be kind of the best, best case scenario. Cause if you guys have the ball in the last five minutes and you know, I, I, <laughs> honestly just the last minute like i i i am gonna be just shitting my pants <laughs> yeah do you have a score prediction that you like um yeah i'd say uh I'd say 31 28 yeah 31 28 um i who I'm going to say, I'm going to say Georgia. I'm going to say it, but <laughs> this is honestly, I don't, I don't expect it. I don't, uh, I don't know that we can do it, but I mean, I feel like the, the, the scary part of the narrative is if we, if we lose again, I think there'll just be kind of a, if not now, you know, when, if not now, when like get rid of Kirby. No, no, <laughs> but, but it's crazy because, uh, yeah, it's crazy because it's just going to feel like getting over that hump is, is kind of the, his Achilles heel. And so to me, there could be the, the reason I feel like it's important to win this one is because however long we have Nick Saban, whether it's three years, five years, you know, seven years, I don't know how long his contract is. If we don't win against him and against Alabama, I feel like though Kirby's young and could still be doing this for another 30 years, there'll be an asterisk if he doesn't kind of get over the Alabama hump as, as far as what could have been. And so Georgia's the state of Georgia is starving for it. You know, if, if the Braves did it, then we need to kind yeah, of, it just had the Braves, man, you know, <laughs> yeah. just, be ha- just be happy with that. 
<laughs> we need it all, man. We need it all. No, I just think, yeah, there's, there's unfortunately, like, just the past, the past 15 years have been pretty painful. And so I think it's, uh, I think it's our turn. I really hope that, like, something lucky comes our way, because honestly, I think it is going to come down to maybe a turnover or something in the third quarter or fourth quarter that swings the momentum. So if we can get luck to fall our way somehow, hell, I'll take the refs giving us something, just give us the game and, you know, we'll take it. Cause yeah, I feel like any, any way where we can get a win, it's going to be, um, yeah, Georgia, the state of Georgia is going to be, you know, um, yeah. crazy. It's been yeah. 40 years. So we need it. Yeah. Pray for the citizens of Indianapolis if Georgia pulls it off and, Dude. Every uh, gas station and Waffle House along I-65. It's going to be quite the caravan back to Athens and Atlanta if, if y'all can do it. But yeah, no, I'm looking forward to it. Um, you know, parts of me feels confident because I've got the goat on my sideline. But then, you know, parts of me, it's just, it's, it's worrisome that after the first game, Vegas still favors Georgia because it feels yeah. like it feels like at least betting the game which you know I'm still gonna bet on Alabama even though it feels like the wrong side if you will because it feels like ev- like everyone who doesn't have a dog in the fight unlike you and I are just gonna be like well Alabama beat them by you know 17 or whatever like a month ago and like now they're number one and like why are they the underdog it seems like a little too easy from yeah. that standpoint, which is like worrisome. Uh, so, and I mean, yeah, clearly the fact that Vegas still favors Georgia, um, I think Georgia seems like the smarter side to be on, um, you know, from a Vegas and betting perspective. But we'll see. You never know. Yeah, that's interesting because, in my opinion, like from the unbiased side, it's like, if you compare play like okay Bryce Young versus Stetson Bennett take Alabama you know Will Anderson you know the best player on defense Will Anderson he's with Alabama so I feel like to me the unbiased side I, I would I would side with Alabama but I know what you mean as far as like there's there's just like Sometimes something in the air that you're like. Yeah, Alabama as the underdog after what just happened, just it, it feels like fishy, you know? Yeah. Um, and I'm with you. And, like, that's what I keep going back to is, like, you know, you give me Nick Saban and Bryce Young versus Kirby Smart and Stetson Bennett, and then that's when I start getting confident. But yep. then it's like, yes, like head coach, quarterback, those are the two most important people in the field but also the most important like unit battle is offensive line versus defensive line. And it's like, you know, I remember having this same mindset when I bet on the chiefs in the super bowl last year. And I was like, I bet on the 49ers the year before when Mahomes came back and won it. I was like, all right, I'm not betting against Mahomes. I'll take, you know, Mahomes and the chiefs just because I think he's the best player on the field. And then turned out the Chiefs were missing like three offensive linemen and the Bucks just like whipped their ass in the trenches. Yep. And even though Mahomes still had like kind of a low key, really impressive game, 
he was just running for his life the whole time. So it's like yep. if Georgia were to like unleash that type of a fury in the trenches, then like it doesn't matter how good the quarterback or play calls or whatever are, you know? So it's like, what gives? Like, I don't know, man. It's, I think it's going to be a great game. So yep. Yep. yeah, depending on like which one of those, like, like the head coach and quarterback or the battle of the trenches, like which one I'm like focusing on in that split second, like dictates how I feel this game, you know, how confident I am in, in either team winning. But yeah, I mean, it, it does feel like more or less of a, a coin flip. So I think, I think it's going to be entertaining for everyone else and stressful for us. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I think that about, yeah. Puts it all into perspective. Yeah. Oh, man. All right. Well, I appreciate you coming on for the third and final time this season. Uh, really do appreciate all your all your time and everything. So already looking forward to hopefully mixing it up. I don't think we we don't play in the regular season next year, but mm-hmm. win or lose either team, uh, whoever comes out on top in Indianapolis, will probably be seeing you again in Atlanta early next December. So we'll yes, we'll do so. it again sooner or later. And maybe uh get you on whatever y'all open up with Oregon right we do actually I'd have yeah. to have you back on for a uh, week one preview then I assume that'll be the the marquee game that's a pretty good and that's in Atlanta it is and yeah, poor Oregon that's kind of a shitty draw for them <laughs> well it's, it's funny too because so that's Dan Lanning the defensive coordinator right. he's going to coach at Oregon so and I don't know Nick, that, there's a lot of like yeah whether he plays or not, I don't know. But, up, but yeah, yeah, the stories, the stories are going to be there. That's for sure. So, um, is he still coaching? Yeah, at He's Georgia, coaching. finishing it out. Okay, finishing that's it out. Um, so yeah, man. I mean, I, I do hope that that also plays a role. You know, like I, I do hope he. You know, it's like, hey, final game, give it, give it all you got. Yeah, I believe it. Alabama fans know that feeling of coordinators getting poached before the biggest game of freaking season so i i know the feeling it's like you know i get it you got to do what you got to do and you got to put in some recruiting at the other school because you can't just wait until like late january to start that nowadays but also like don't spend too much time recruiting over there please like we still got a game to win yeah i I know the feeling but all right man well i'll talk to you in between now and kick off and probably during and after the game too so sounds good dude All right, man. Appreciate it. Have a good one. See ya. You too. Have a good weekend, dude. Thank you one more time to Garrett. And to wrap off this episode, I have one more game day grub for the season. I am uh, sticking true to my name in this one and finally making my own hummus for the very first time. We have a food processor slash blender thing that we just got, so I'm actually able to chop up the chickpeas and do hummus the right way finally 10 years later i've always been wanting to do this so i will tweet out the recipe and pictures as i make it later this weekend or on monday night it's a spice lamb hummus uh, and i hope it turns out well so that will be on the twitter page for anyone interested in looking at that recipe thanks everybody